Welcome to Mamosas. Hope you have your friends and your drinks nearby. You're here with Kristen. And Talia. And we're here to talk about all things mom. We want to drop this bonus episode for you today because as you may know, baby Dernan 3 rolled into town. And who doesn't love a good birth story? It's actually one of the most requested things that we get. So for the minority who doesn't like birth stories, you can skip this episode. But you don't want to because it's a really good story. So just gear up. All right. So let's start from the beginning. So if you haven't heard our birth stories yet, go back to that episode. It's one of the first 10 episodes and you can hear our birth stories with Sky and then my birth story with Nate and Finley. And just to give a comparison, this is now my third birth and is nothing like my first two and the first two were nothing alike. So good times. (laughs) Each one is as unique as the child. Yes. (laughs) Let's start from the beginning. So Finley was a six and a half hour labor total start to finish. And I didn't make it to the hospital in time for an epidural. You were, I just want to like, I remember you saying very much like that was on the high of the agenda list of making sure you get one of those. Correct. And it was, it took me a long time to decide. It was, I was like 36 weeks before I decided, yep, I'm going to get an epidural because I was really back and forth. I was like, well, I've been through birth without one before and I survived. So why not just do it again without one? Because there are risks of side effects. So that's always my worry. But then, I mean, it just was so painful with Finley. Like it really, and he had the smallest head of the three of them. So at 36 weeks, because she was measuring so big, they did an ultrasound. And when her head was measuring three weeks ahead of her gestational age, but then additionally, like a week ahead of the rest of her body, I was like, no, I'm getting an epidural 100%. Like, this was the decision maker. So that's that was my question. So that was the deciding factor when you saw, I mean, she was measuring huge. She was measuring just like Nate. So she was measuring ahead and her and then her head was also measuring ahead of everything else. So okay, so that was the deciding factor. Yeah. That Dernan head. Right. And because with Nate I needed an episiotomy. And I don't know if it was because of his head or what, but since her head was so big, I decided like if I'm gonna end up with an episiotomy, I have better be drugged for that. True that. <laughs> well and Nate kind of you know, no pun intended, paved the way for the others. Correct. So you're a little more, uh, your body's a little bit more used to it now. A little rounded out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you've decided epidural. It's going to happen. Okay. And so then the other thing was, so for my first two babies, I did not, I tested negative for the group B strep or whatever it's called. Okay. Okay. So This time I tested positive and this is going to be such a weird thing. I don't know. You know, every time they test you, they have to do like the little poke in your cooch and then right up your butt. And that's how they test. And so I always have to like shower and (laughs) sterilize myself because I'm like, I just feel like if I test positive, that means I have a dirty butt. (laughs) Well, like I I know that's not true. I understand that that is not what it is saying. (laughs) Okay. That's just where my brain goes. <laughs> well, but you know what? Also, like I will say, how embarrassing would it be if, like, they go and do that, and there's like poop that comes out on yeah. their little Q-tip or whatever? Like, I mean, I'm sure it happens all the time. I mean, listen, they do it at 36 or 37 weeks. Like, how good are you at wiping your butt at that it's point? It's so hard. I don't listen. I don't know <laughs> if everybody else has this issue, but it is very hard. Like, and I always feel like I have to shower after I poop when I'm pregnant. This is why you need a. This is why you need a bidet. This is what I say every time I'm pregnant. Why do bidets not exist in my house when I am pregnant? 
I mean, very valid question. I'm just thinking about this going, that would just, you would be guaranteed a nice, clean butthole. There's no other time in my life I think about this but when I'm pregnant. So I hope I'm not the only person with this issue, and I hope everyone's not vomiting about her butt talk, but like, I just... Well, that's like when you go to the gyne- when you go to the gynecologist and you're like, what's my situation down there? They literally do not care, but it's like, I... I feel the same way. Like, I need to make sure that I'm showered and, like, I don't feel, like, disgusting when I go in there. And I know they don't care, but I care. But you also, I don't want to be the one person that's so gross that they go home and talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, true. Very true. (laughs) Which leads me to another, like, ridiculous neuroses I had. Okay, so I, you know, I have to go in for the strep B butt test or whatever. I test positive, so I obviously hate my life now because I'm such a gross person. (laughs) Mortified that you have the dirtiest butt in Monterey. (laughs) Basically. And then the other thing is, like, the last month of pregnancy, I'm so crazy about showering and, like, in drying my hair. I am disgusting the rest of pregnancy. Like, I obviously shower as needed. My hygiene isn't terrible. But, like, it's a quick shower, hair's up in a bun, uh, whatever. I am a shave every time I shower kind of person. But, like, when you're that pregnant with your third baby, like, you, I can't see anything. So I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, I really want to, like, get in there because I'm like, you know, if I go into labor, I don't want to have this big like forest that the baby has to like navigate through and the, you know the, the, the doctor is trying to like get a weed whacker out. Did you have Pat go down there and uh, try to help you out? I did not but oh. here's the thing that makes me laugh because I've done this with all three babies I've been this crazy I like shower the whole last month every day do my hair and like shave like crazy. I was thinking about this after I had Astrid I was like I don't care. When I'm in the middle of pushing, I assume I'm going to poop on the bed anyway. So, like, how much do I really care about the hair situation? Yeah, And everything else that's coming out of me, like, no one is looking at that. Right. They're too busy looking at your dirty butthole. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You disgusting, filthy person. So, I just always, I I had to, like, point that out. I I hope somebody else is as ridiculous as I am. I just love that like every day you're like, you never know if the baby's coming and I do not want to look like a dumpster fire going into the hospital. I mean, you're going to you're going to come out possibly looking like a dumpster fire, but you want to go in looking moderately decent. And who cares? I, I don't know why. It's one of those things where like, I'll ask myself, why do you care? I'm, I'm not sure. And I'm not someone who cares a ton about my looks. I mean, I'll go out in public in sweatpants and no makeup and like my hair greasy. I yeah, I'd rather not, but I have, I will do it. I'm not embarrassed to. I don't know why the neuroses is there. Maybe it's the only thing I control at the end, but it just makes me laugh that like once I give birth, I'm like, yeah, please. Uh, the whole medical team, come on in. I'm totally naked. Please help me with my ice pack and diaper <laughs> pants. No problem. But when you walk in, there better not be an ingrown on my cooch. Otherwise, I'm just like walking out of here. Exactly. It's so ridiculous. And the night I went into labor, I started feeling the contractions. And after like, it was about an hour and a half. I was like, all right, this might be the real deal. So I'm going to go take a shower. And it was like such an inconvenient time. Like the kids had just got out of the shower. Pat had just showered. He's getting them ready for bed. I'm like, I didn't take a shower. Bye. I mean, not great timing, but at the same time, I'm sure Pat at this point is like, 
You do you, boo. Right. I mean, I'm basically useless at bedtime anyway. I read Nate some stories and that's about it. So So Finley was asleep when you guys left, but Nate yeah. was still awake. Yeah. Okay. So we'll back up now. Now that I've got all that out. Um, now so that I- you're showered and your hair is done. Yep. So I had, I tested positive for the butt test and you have to get antibiotics for that. And the goal is like you have them right away and then you should have them four hours later. Do you put them in your butt? <laughs> <laughs> it goes through an IV. Okay. Not as exciting, but okay. I guess I'll accept that. Exactly. So it sounds like from what my doctor told me, because again, my labors went so fast that last time I didn't make it to the hospital. I was really worried about not getting the full like round of antibiotics. He said that while it is very dangerous for the baby to catch it, it is it is very rare. It's like a two to three percent chance. And because my water generally breaks later, like usually my water breaks and the baby comes, my babies will probably be more protected and less likely to get it. So he said it's a two to three percent chance of the babies getting it. And that, even less for you. Yeah, if they don't okay. if the antibiotics don't get in. So I you know, I think his point was like, yeah, if you can get the antibiotics, get it because it's the best thing you can do. But if you right. do end up missing it, the chances are very low that the baby will get it. Now, do you, how do you get this? Like, is it just something that... Okay, so I would Google it, which I obviously did. I was going to say, I know you did, so that's why I'm asking. I think if I recall correctly, it's like everybody kind of has it and it kind, it just like lays dormant. That's why you get tested okay. every pregnancy. So like for the last two, I didn't have it, but it was like active this pregnancy. But pa- like if you pass it to your baby, that can be like life-threatening for them. Yeah. Again, do your own research because I don't really remember, you know, the logistics of it. But that, that was, that's about what I remember from it. I just love that what you remember from it is that you thought you had a dirty butt. <laughs> I mean, that's the best part. So for about two weeks, I was having kind of like these false labors where I would, you know, have an hour or two of contractions and then that would be it. And then I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have them for like 12 hours or like a full day. And so the first time it happened, I went into the hospital and I was like, I don't think this is it. Like by the time we got there, I was like, I think we're probably going to go home, but I'd rather go in. And so the nurse told me, she was like, I'd rather send you home 17 times than have you have a baby at home. And I was like, all right, thanks for that. And and then I saw my doctor the next day and he was like, you did the right thing. You know, that was, it was fine. Like nobody's, you know, cause I was like, I'm so sorry. I wasted everyone's time. And he's like, no, like no one cares. You're fine. And then a week later I did, I woke up at 4am. I don't even think it was a week later. It was like four days later. I woke up at 4am to a contraction and I was like, okay, well, whatever, you know, I'm just going to lay here. Cause they always say like, if you're laying down and you're drinking water and you're still having them, then you're probably in labor. So I laid there for 45 minutes and I was having them about eight minutes apart. And then I got up and I had breakfast and I drank water and I was still having them. So it was about two hours of them. And then I was like, all right, let's go into the hospital, you know? So, and again, like we have two kids at home, so it's not just like, oh, let's pack up and go. It's like, we got to get the whole neighborhood involved. Right. So then our friend came over to watch the kids and we get, as soon as we like get to the hospital, I was like, we're going home. I mean, everything has stopped. Nothing's happening. So anyway, we went in, they checked and blah, blah. And I hadn't had any progress. So they sent me home. So that was like a week and a half before I actually had her. So then the night I went into labor, we were home and I had like just finished writing like a bunch of thank you cards uh, for my surprise romantic shower. And then I, and I had Nate distribute them throughout the neighborhood. And then like we had dinner. I think I was just cleaning up and stuff and I felt I was having contractions. But at this point I was like, well, I keep having false labor. So I'm like not going to get my hopes up. But I did download an app this time to like track my contractions. And I was having them for, 
It was like two and a half hours and they were consistent for me. So they were like eight to 12 minutes apart. And I'm glad that we went in because even through my whole labor, I never had like consistent contractions. So Mm. when they were tracking them, it'd be like five minutes, two minutes, seven minutes, three, eight, four, two. You know what I mean? Like there was never like, oh, they're all coming five minutes apart. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. So we went in and I had progressed a little. I was at like three centimeters, I think, and 70% of face. And so they basically were like, yeah, we're going to admit you. But I did not understand that that's what they were telling me. So she said, you know, she called she called my doctor and um, she was going to recheck me at 11. So we got there around 9 p.m. And at 930, you know, we got in and she checked me and everything. And then she's going to recheck me at 11. And I took that to mean if at 11 nothing's happened, we'll go home. And I can come back if anything changes. But what she meant was she'll check me at 11 and they will make a game plan from there. Yeah. But you're staying. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, I was like very clear, like I am freaking out that I'm not going to get an epidural. I do not want to miss my window. And she was so nice. She was so accommodating. And meanwhile, I'm texting Morgan constantly like this is what's happening. You know, da da da, whatever. So they got, you know, the like IV. What is it where it's just like it's in your arm, but like the tubes aren't connected. I don't know what you would call that, but I know what you're talking about where it's an IV, like the needles in and it's ready to be connected. Right. So they place the IV. Yeah. I mean, it's just an inactive IV, I guess. I don't know what you would call it. Okay. So they, they did that. And then I had like the little peanut ball. So I was like bouncing around on that and swiveling. But they had me connected to the monitors. Like, mm-hmm. like not with the wire. It was wireless. But I couldn't leave the room. On the, on your stomach. They were monitoring the baby. Okay. Yeah. They are monitoring the baby, monitoring contractions. So I'm bouncing around on the ball. We're kind of just like walking around the room and everything. So she comes in at 11 and checks me. And I'm at a four. The, she was like, you're at a four. I could stretch you to a five. And I was like, okay, great. Here's what I'd like to do. I want to get off all this crap. And they had also put started the antibiotic. I was getting my first round. So I was like, you know, when this bag is done, I want to get off all this junk and I want to walk around the hospital. So I'm texting Morgan. I'm telling her this. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to walk around for a while. Let things progress a little more and then get my epidural. And she's like, that's a really good plan. Just remember that when you get to six, sometimes it moves really fast and you might miss your window. So just, you know, plan for that. Right. So now I'm like in a panic, like, okay, I I do want to walk. I want to progress things. I don't want to be on an epidural for like six days. But I also, I absolutely have no interest in missing my window. Right. So we're walking around and they're getting stronger. Like I'm definitely having to breathe through it more. And so Pat and I are just walking up and down this like one hall because I'm not allowed to leave the unit because I've got like the IV and everything. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm just walking up and down this one hall for like 25 minutes. And then we go back and I bounce on the peanut ball a little bit. And they had changed shifts. So their change of shift is 11. So they changed their shift. And the new lady comes in and she's like, so she ended up being my delivery nurse and she was very nice. But this first impression was not my favorite. So she comes in. She was like, so have you been having contractions for a while or um, did you just kind of like feel a contraction and come in? I was like, is it that black and white? It just felt very extreme. Like you've either Mm -hmm. been having them for days or you had a contraction. Or you had one and you ran over here. Right. And I was like, I've been having them for a couple hours. Um, This is my third baby. I don't want to miss my epidural. So, you know, I came she was like okay and then I was like you know we're gonna go walk for a little bit and then I want to get my epidural and she was like oh that's soon and I was like who are you I was so irritated by that comment this was the plan and I also was like if this was my first baby I would have been very like oh it's too early I shouldn't I shouldn't have it then if she's saying yeah that's such a like severe comment yeah it was so funny you know so we walk around we come back 
we tell her like, all right, let's get this IV back going. Like I get these fluids because I want my epidural. And so she's right. like, okay. So she gets the IV going, you know, the, the fluids going as fast as they can. And she's like, so the anesthesiologist is in one room. He's going to be next door and then he'll come to your room. And I was like, okay, about how long will that be? She was like about 30, 45 minutes. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's not in her control, you know? Right. And I still have to drain this stupid bag anyway, which always takes forever. And so I'm bouncing on the peanut ball and I like have a contraction. I'm just kind of breathing through it. And Pat is like starting to panic that I'm not going to get my epidural. And he's like, I don't think that this lady understands the urgency here. And I was like, there's nothing she can do. Like our hands are tied at this point. Because I guess five of us came in in labor at the same time oh man and they already had a full unit oh geez so anyway the anesthesiologist comes in he's super nice very informative gets me my epidural and then so i had an epidural with nate but i was induced so i don't know if it makes a difference but i don't remember this feeling but like it literally i felt that pins and needles feeling in my legs the whole time and it was driving me bonkers like i just felt like that you know when you get like your arm goes to sleep and then you are like oh shoot and you kind of move it a little and it gets that pins and needles yeah like, I that's that how feeling. i felt the whole time from like in my so legs. uncomfortable i get the epidural i'm feeling that and then she was like you know what why don't we try laying on your side and putting like the peanut ball between your legs sometimes that helps open your hips so i was at five centimeters when they gave me the epidural so i lay on my right side and i tried that and i like i couldn't stand the feeling i was like i'm this is so uncomfortable this pins and needles i just need to be back on my back so yeah. I laid on my back and I like kind of dozed a little bit. I think I finally took a nap from like 3 to 3.30, but then they had to come give me my second dose of antibiotics. So Pat, once I got the epidural, I told him like, you go to sleep. I'll wake you up when I need you. Wait, why did they have to wake you up to put in antibiotics? Because she had to do all the other, like she didn't come in and say like, hey, wake up. But like she came in and then she had to like, oh, she, blood, had pressure, to do the blood and pressure and all that crap. Temperature and yeah. blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. So she, you know, so she, I mean, it's not like she had to wake me up, but it's pretty hard to sleep through that. I mean, I guess after a while you get used to it, but yeah, it is yeah. annoying. So then, you know, I'm, I've got this epidural. I have no idea what's going on. I can't feel anything. So <laughs> I'm like on my phone, I'm posting for like our Facebook group. I'm posting like on the Mamosas page doing a bunch of work because I'm like, what else am I doing? I'm just sitting here. I can't sleep. I'm so bored. Okay. So then I'm laying there. She comes in at like 515 maybe and she's like all right let's like roll you on your side again because you don't want to be in one position forever you know like that's not really great Mm -hmm. so she's like let's roll you on your side puts the peanut ball in between my legs again so now I'm on my left side and that pins and needle feeling you would think I'm like three it was driving me so crazy so I'm I'm on my left side I've got the ball between my legs and I'm just like bouncing my legs back and forth (laughs) off the ball because it's just driving me crazy how it feels so then at like it must have been like 545 I was like oh wait you forgot a really important part go on I mean this is where you know Talia enters Kristen's birth story (laughs) five in the morning I get up I mean this is the true hero moment here I get up at five in the morning to go pee check my phone see that you've texted me you're at the hospital and you've got your epidural you and I texted for like 20 minutes at like five in the morning this is when I'm bouncing my legs because they're driving me crazy well you were just so funny because you're like I'm so itchy oh yeah and and I was like are you on morphine and you said no but I'm just I have pins and needles and it's driving me crazy and you know that was the main thing and then I just I remember at one point just saying you know you were you said I'm gonna try to get some sleep and I said okay good night yeah for 20 minutes 20 30 minutes we were just talking about how uncomfortable you were and how like irritated that you couldn't get comfortable 
Yeah, I was very itchy. I forgot. So my stomach and my chest were like so, so, so itchy. And I told the nurse and she was like, yeah, there's some fentanyl in the epidural. So that's what's making you itchy. So that's fine. I mean, again, I was uncomfortable, but like, yeah, I will do that anytime over giving natural birth again. Yeah. So about 545, I feel this little like, oh, there's a little pressure down there. And so the nurse like just happened to come in. I was like, hey, I'm feeling some pressure down there. And she goes, okay. She lifts the blanket. And she goes, oh, looks like your water's starting to break. And in my head, I'm like, okay, so that means this baby's coming. Like I mm-hmm. must be at 10 centimeters. And then she goes to the side of the bed and like slips and was like, <laughs> right. oh my God, your water exploded everywhere. And I was like, that sounds about right. And then she goes, <laughs> and then she goes, I almost just died. And I was like about to pee myself. Because <laughs> if you such- didn't have a catheter in, you would have wet your pants. It's such an extreme reaction and definitely what I would have said in that situation. <laughs> Listen, pregnant lady, I almost died in your water sack break. Right. Your- so she put some sheets over it and like wiped it up and everything. And then she's like, all right, let's get, you know, let's get the room prepared or whatever. I think she had like left once and then came back when, cause you can tell, I guess like on the monitor, when you feel like you have to push, like something happens with the baby's heart rate that it changes enough that they can tell at the desk. Okay. So she had left at one point when I said there's pressure and then she came back and I was like, yeah, I'm feeling it again. She goes, okay. And so she, you know, they called my doctor and I had told him, I was like, my doctor has never made it to my birth. It's always been an on-call doctor because like the babies have just come fast. And so he was like, like, all right, challenge accepted. So they called him. They're like, you know, this baby's coming, like get down here. And so she and another nurse come in, they get me set up, they put me in the stirrups and they were like, it's fine. Like you're controlled because you're on, you have the epidural. She was like, just don't push until we tell you to. And I was like, okay. And it wasn't like, I mean, I could feel pressure, but I didn't feel like, oh, this pressure is unbearable. I have to push. I would just occasionally be like, oh, there's some pressure. So then my doctor comes like, running in and he's still in like you know he's got on like khaki pants and like a button down and it's you know six or something a little before six and he comes like running in he's like did I make it and they were like yeah like you have time she's controlled and they had the room like totally set up and he was like do I have time to put scrubs on and they were like yeah go you know go put your scrubs on and like we'll be here so he like runs and and he get oh and then he so he comes up and he like high fives my foot and he was like low five and then he like runs out (laughs) I love him. (laughs) He runs out and like gets his scrubs on and everything and then comes back in. And so then they're like, all right, you know, it's time to push. And Pat said like he, you know, he looked and he was like, oh my God, the head is like there. Like, so she was like ready to come out. Mm -hmm. So the contraction comes and they say, hold your breath and then put like, take a deep breath and hold it and push. So I did that. I did it twice in one contraction and then the doctor was like, okay, so this is like tennis. Like you're doing a great job, but I'm going to give you some critiques. He's like, you're taking a deep breath and then you're letting it out before you're pushing. He's like, you need to take a deep breath and hold that breath in. And then the nurse was like, you know, it's going to expand your diaphragm and that's going to give you, that's going to help you to be able to push. And I was like, oh, that's really helpful. And I also had told him at one of my doctor's appointments, like I need direction. So the whole like, oh, do what feels right. None of this feels right for me. So just give me direction and I will listen to what you're telling me to yeah. do. And so I think that's why he was able to just be like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Here's what you need to change. So then I got my, ne- I have my next contraction. You know, I breathe in, I hold it and then I push and they're like, there's the head. And I was like, oh, that was so easy. And I didn't even feel it. I didn't feel anything coming out. And then they were like, one, you know, it's probably one more push. So I took a deep breath and I pushed and her shoulder popped out and he pulled her out. And then she pooped all over him. <laughs> 
And so I love it. He held her for like a minute or two. Just he said he was waiting for like the blood flow to stop uh-huh. before he put her on me. So, you know, they did all their stuff and then gave her to me. And then afterward, you know, so now he's sewing me up. I mean, he was he was really great because he was just my personality type. Like we just had a personality type that jived. Mm-hmm. But he was like, have the doctors ever showed you like the placenta before? And I was like, not really. I mean, I've seen it like in the tray. And so he like pulls it up like a curtain and is like <laughs> showing me. And I was like, that is huge. Is that like, that's like five pounds. He's like, yeah, it's probably like a pound and a half. So he like holds it up and he's showing me and he's like, this is what this does. Like, this is what this does. Da, da, da. So cool. I was like, oh my God, I love this lesson. So that was interesting. So then like he sews me up and he's also telling me like, here's the different degrees of, you know, like a cut laceration or whatever that you'd have. And he was like, you, you know, so here's first degree, second, third, fourth. This is what they all mean. He was like, you have a second degree tear. And I was like, all right, great. Like, I, again, third birth, first time someone's ever explained that to me. Like when, right. I, had, when I had Nate, I was asking like, because I could see him sewing me up and I was like, oh, is it like a superficial tear? Like what kind of tear is it? And he was like, I, he was so dismissive and he didn't even answer me because it wasn't until Pat told me that he cut me that I was like, oh, I had an episiotomy. That's still so crazy that they gave that to you without your consent or permission or anything. Well, like, I had put. I mean, a, I know it's in your birth plan, yeah. like if you need to do it, but still, like, wouldn't you think they'd be like, okay, this baby's head is like the size of a football stadium, so we're going to give you an episiotomy, or even just afterward? I mean, because now that I've recovered from that and then not having an episiotomy, like it is a very painful and different recovery. It would have been nice to know that that's yeah. what I was recovering from. Yeah. But yeah, so he described all that to me and all this stuff. So then he's leaving and Pat was like, congratulations to the doctor for like making it to my birth. Here's your medal. (laughs) So they also got along well. Yeah. So Pat cut the cord. Pat got to cut the cord. And then so she was eight pounds, 14 ounces. And she was 20.5 inches long, which is the shortest of my three kids. I will also point out that at 610 on my way downstairs to go do my exercise, I texted you literally timestamp 610. Any progress? Didn't hear anything. I was like, all right, she's probably taking her little snoozer or whatever. Finish my workout, get a text from Pat at like 645 with a picture of the baby. And then it was like born 610. I was like, no way. It was like I was there. Yep, and then the placenta was delivered at 614. If you were curious, write that down. I will. And you said that was like very painful, like that after. No, that was fine. It's the like. Or was it the massaging? No, so like it's after you, after Nate, I don't remember this happening. I'm sure it's uncomfortable, but like not as bad. But like your second and and successive kids, it's like really painful. So when you nurse, you still get contractions because your uterus is like getting smaller right and that is really painful i think for the second and third kid again i Mm -hmm. don't really remember it with nate i remember them telling me about it but it just didn't hurt as bad like yeah I didn't take any medicine for it. With Finley, I was like, whatever you can give me, please do. And the same this time. I think they they were able to give me like a stronger... Maybe that's what I was thinking of. But yeah, no, the placenta delivered fine. And um, So she came out screaming like a banshee. My God, she was screaming so much. And I was like, she's probably starving. I mean, we ate dinner at 5.30. And then I had a protein bar at like 1 after I got my epidural. uh, And then the lady saw my wrapper and was like, uh probably you shouldn't be eating any more solids just so you know and I was like all right fair enough so it was one o'clock was the last time I ate and she came at six ten. like this kid is used to eating around the clock <laughs> I know that I was hungry so I'm sure she was starving 
Um, so yeah, I finally got her to latch because they, you know, there's like, they're still like cleaning the baby off with like the blankets and doing the Apgar score and all that stuff. So it takes a few minutes. So I think it was by like 630 or 640 that she started nursing and she was fine after that. I mean, she's just been a sleepy newborn since then. She just poops and eats and sleeps all day. Yep. Sounds about right. So that's it. That's birth story. Baby number three. Well, and so now you're home with her. So tell us about how it was like the homecoming. Yeah, so the homecoming was pretty good. I knew, I think last time we were so like afraid of Finley getting hurt that it was a lot of like, no, you can't hold him. No, don't touch him. Like, oh no, don't do this. And so I've been Mm -hmm. very, very conscious of being like, yeah, absolutely you can hold her. Yeah, come touch her body. You know, put your hands on her body, not on her face. Give her Mm -hmm. hugs, give her kisses. That's fine. Like, you want to hold her again? Sure. So, I mean, Nate has been holding her like 6,000 times a day. He always wants to check on like when she's sleeping. He needs to like go check on her. Yeah. So cute. And he's been so gentle. He's been really good with her. He's still really aggressive with Finley. I mean, can I just tell you like how much? I mean, it's my heart goes out to Finley, but at the same time, I'm like wetting myself thinking about it. Like, you sitting on the couch with Astrid and Nate like sitting like next to you and then Finley wanting to get in on it and Nate basically like body slamming him out of the way like no Finley this is not for you right this is mommy and baby sister and you can you know piss off pretty much and so yesterday he had a really hard Finley had a really hard time so I was a lot more you know and I'm not allowed to lift anything over 20 pounds so good thing my kids are 30 and 50 pounds oh my god so I can't pick him up right so I'm like on the ground with him like holding him and he wants me to pick him up I finally did I mean I just I don't have good self-control with that like I know I shouldn't lift anything over 20 pounds and otherwise I'm trying to be really diligent about my recovery but it is so hard for me to not pick up my kids well especially when they're just like they want you it's like I mean your heart just goes out yeah it's been pretty good though I mean Nate's been really great Finley's doing okay but you can tell Mm -hmm. it's hard for him and it's so hard because he's so little he can't verbalize it the same so we did get our first hit I mean he did hit her with a puzzle piece on the head yesterday Oh, no. Like, hard? Like, really, really hard? Or just was like a meh? I mean, it was, you know, pretty hard. It, You know, it's hard with him because, again, like, sometimes that's him trying to play. I think in this situation it was him saying, I'm mad. But also, you know, Nate was out for a while, and so he got to lay down with Astrid. He got to, like, go on the play mat with her. And, you know, he doesn't know, like, how to control his body still. So, he, you know, we have to kind of, like, navigate that for him. But Well, I, to your it, point, you've always said, like, you know, that's how Nate, you know, quote unquote, plays with him. So to him, that's how you invite somebody to play is yeah. like hit them over the head with something and be like, you know, hey, bud. What's up? You want a hug? <laughs> want to play? Want to wrestle? So they're funny. I mean, he Finley's very into kissing her. And he gives her like kisses on the lips and it's so funny. I'm like, oh my God, don't get her sick. But also this is adorable. Let me take some pictures. Okay, now go away. Yeah, go scrub your mouth out with soap. Oh my God, I just love it. Yeah, so he is, I mean, by nature, he is just a little bit more cuddly and loving. So that I think is making the transition with this age a little easier than it was with, you know, with the two older boys but now that Nate is so much older he can kind of understand better and he's very excited everywhere he goes to I have baby sister at home I have a baby sister at home oh my god well Sky's so excited to meet her I show her pictures all the time and she was like she's like Nate and baby Finley and baby I was like Astra and she goes yeah and then she goes no 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 not baby Finley baby Astrid so she's like very because I mean he's been baby Finley his entire life now it's he's no longer baby Finley yeah but she's like she's so excited to meet that she's like can I hold her and I was like yeah and she's like I can 
really? She's so excited. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, they're they're funny. They're doing good. I'm so happy to hear that. I just I was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder how this transition is going to be home. But you also have Pat's parents there right now, which is awesome. And yeah. You have your whole tribe of the neighborhood bringing you things. So yeah, this is. I realized the first time that we've known a lot of people when we've had a baby. Because when I had Nate, mm-hmm. we didn't really know a lot of people, and then. When I had Finley, we'd been here for like three weeks, you know, so everyone was super nice, but it's like just different when you know everyone. Well, it's also different. I feel like when it's your first, I mean, I remember being home and like, like I was able to just be with Sky and like Todd does the cooking anyway, but he was able to like cook a meal. But like, I imagine with like more kids, you know, it's more, you need more hands on deck to like, you know, kind of control the chaos. Yeah. So it's so nice that you guys have that great core group of people in your neighborhood to help you out right now. Yeah, we've been getting tons of food. One of our friends came and cleaned our downstairs. I love it. While I was at the hospital. Like I came in and I was like, wow, this is really clean. And I was like, I know Pat's mom like would clean the house. I have no problem with that. But I was like, but we don't have anything to wash my floors. So how do my floors get so clean? She brought her own steam mop. I love it. Well, her house is like immaculate. I mean, when we went there, I was like, I could literally lick frosting off the floor. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, she came to my house and clean anytime. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> All right. So that we don't want to make this episode too long. So we just want to share that with you guys. Feel free to share your birth stories with us. And if you have any questions, let us know. And stay tuned for the many adventures of Dern and Clan of Five. Oh, yeah. And guys, don't forget to follow us on Mimosa's podcast for Instagram or Facebook. Or you can email us, mimosaspodcast at gmail.com. And then we also have our sponsor, which is greatkidsnacks.com. You can use the code MOMPOD, M-O-M-P-O-D, 25 for 25% off your first box. We got ours. The kids love it. Uh, They have a lot of varieties of snacks. And one of the things that I like about it is that the snacks actually have protein in them. Mm. You know, so they still have fats and carbs, which are great. The kids need that. But I have a really hard time finding quick snacks that also have protein. And a lot of these snacks do offer that, which my kids and most kids need to help them feel full. Great. Love them. All right. Stay tuned and talk to you next time. Let's talk to you soon. Thank <laughs> you.